Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Oil Hockey, where I don't claim to be a hockey expert, but simply an overzealous hockey fan that loves to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. I'm your host, Chris, and today's special guest is Matt Kubret, the owner and GM of the Empire Packers in the EOJHL. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for jumping back on. I, and uh, that's what this podcast is about, kind of catch up on how the season went, talk about some of the, the best moments of the season, and uh, then otherwise just catch up. Yeah, so great season for the Packers. It was. It uh, it came to a, an end uh, about a week ago. Uh, not not the way we wanted it to in uh, in a decisive game five, but uh, it uh, one team's got to win, one team's got to lose, and unfortunately we came out on the wrong side of that one. There's only ever one champion, and I know uh, like Perth has been putting up a fight as as of this recording. They're up two games to one on Carlton Place, but uh, by the time this airs. Who knows what the series is going to be like, <laughs> but uh, no, they've been putting up a fight. They're a strong team. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been great just to have, honestly, just to have hockey back in Ontario. Absolutely. There there was four solid teams on our side that really any of them could have won. Uh, both series went to a, a deciding game uh, before Carlton Place and Perth both uh, ended up uh, winning those. It was good to have two good series. Actually, the other side as well was pretty good, but uh, sticking with our side, it, it was good to see the uh, the entertaining hockey back and forth in the Valley. Yeah, because I know a lot of – it was a struggle. I mean, it, COVID has been a struggle for so many people. But when it comes to what it's been for the province of Ontario and hockey players, um, really there wasn't a season last year. And then this year it got massively interrupted – um, which, you know, it's takes, it takes its toll on the, the players, the coaches, the owners, the fans. And it, it's just been nice to, you know, as, as much and condensed and as crazy as the hockey schedule has been for the EOJHL this year, it's just been incredible to have it back. It was. It was fantastic to have it back. I mean, it, it was tough putting a halt on it and convincing the players that we would be back. Um, but uh, we were able to get a full season in. We played all 42 games uh, that we scheduled at the beginning of the year. <laughs> it was a little tight. Uh, towards the end, we were, it seemed like we were playing every second night, uh, if not three and four nights, uh, but we were able to get it all in, and uh, I think the players really enjoyed that, uh, the, the full season aspect and then a reward at the end of, of having playoffs uh, and, and meaningful games uh, once things uh, settled up there. Yeah, and, and, and it was there were some really entertaining games and uh, some really entertaining plays, not only throughout the season, but in the playoffs. And uh, for your listeners, definitely make sure you check out the Pigeonhole Hockey Twitter page where you'll be seeing the, uh, the highlights that we've selected for the season uh, for Packers hockey uh, start to unroll here. You might have already seen one or two drop by the time of this recording, but definitely check it out and you'll see some of the just amazing plays and amazing action uh, the boys put on this year. They were great. Um, you know, all, all of them were. The, this year, I, I think especially we, we had uh, not only good hockey players, we had good people. Uh, they all wanted to be there. They they made it enjoyable to come to the rink every day. Um, you know, they uh, they were also dealing with uh, being 16, 17, 18, going to high school and living through a pandemic and trying to play hockey as well. Really, all the credit goes to them. It, it was enjoyable to go to the rink because they, they made it that way. You know, we've talked about it on this podcast about the, the effect COVID had had on, on a lot of different aspects of life. But, yeah, being a 
teenager dealing with something of this proportion, the, the whole planet going through this is something that you and I can say, fortunately, we didn't have to do as as teenagers. As, as difficult as it already is being a teenager, especially in modern society, to throw a global pandemic into the mix, they're a strong generation that's going to come out of this. I, I completely agree. Uh, these uh, The young men that we had, all, all of them were, were open to talking about how they were feeling and how they were, were dealing with the pandemic and, and stuff that really didn't happen in in the previous generations of hockey players they're much more open and and it's great uh they're they're willing to talk about how they're doing uh the help that they need the struggles that they have and and i think that's it it shows that these uh these young kids are are mature beyond their years already and uh i i'm sure will be very successful in whatever avenue they decide to take later on they have gone through it. It's going to be a strong generation that comes out of this. And and like you said, a lot more vocal generation about how they're doing and how the events of the world are impacting their lives and the, the way they can do to change things. But some great plays out of the guys this season. Specifically, I was really impressed with Jet Miller's play. Fantastic goalie. Amazing saves this season. Again, that you listeners will be able to see on the Twitter page for Pigeon Hole Hockey. He had an incredible season. Talk to me a little bit more about uh, Jet Miller. He he was fantastic. Uh, he came into the year as a uh, it was going to be a one A one B situation. Uh, things kind of evolved where he ended up taking the reins and, uh, and being our starting goalie. And from start to finish, he did an amazing job uh, in the playoffs. He kept us in games that we had no business being in. Um, he made a, a couple of saves that. Uh, you're going ahead and marking the other team down for a goal already. And, uh, and he comes across and, and makes some brilliant saves. Um, he, he's a fighter. He doesn't, doesn't quit up, quit on pucks ever. Uh, he works through those, those, those tough sl- stretches that everyone kind of goes through over the course of a 42 game season. Uh, but uh, he's, he's one that I think that if someone uh, decides to give him a shot down the road, they uh, will not be disappointed with the goalie that they get. No, he, he made some incredible saves, and uh, like I said, the, the highlights will, will show what he's done this season. And and then he had some really talented forwards and defensemen this season. Some plays really stood out for us. Specifically, it was early in the season. Uh, it was like you had the, I think it was Andrew Cuglietta and Neil Duncan just connect for a beautiful goal. I'm trying to see who it was against here. I, I make notes, but... The thing was beautiful because you were down one to Carlton Place. Oh, it was Carlton Place. That's what it was. Uh, you were down one nothing to Carlton Place uh, in the first, and Kuglietta broke around the defender and got a shot off um, after successful poke check. But the puck ended up in front of him, and he passed it left side to the net, and the pass was perfect. And Neil Duncan was just sitting there waiting for it, and he just buried it uh, far glove side. Um, it was just excellent situational awareness uh, by both players, and they, it was just a hell of a play. And both those those players are, are fantastic players. Um, they're, they're two of our uh, assistant captains this year, um, and uh, they they prove themselves on the ice. And both of them, I believe, this is their third years with us. Okay. Um, they've been with us for a number of years, and uh, and unfortunately, Neil is is aging out this year. But uh, Andrew does still have one more. Uh, but he they're, they're both uh, incredibly smart players, very talented. Uh, Neil ended up. Uh, tied for the uh, the lead in le- in goals in the league, both both very good players and and had great seasons this year. 
Yeah, it was it was a beautiful goal. And uh, there was one that you just had most recently in the playoffs. It might have actually I'm not sure if it was the last goal of the season. It might have been in the last game of the season. Uh, last name pronounced Dune. Dune, Jake Dune. Yes, I, I do know the goal you're talking about. Yeah, that that goal by Jake Dune is a thing of beauty. And uh, yeah, and you listeners will have seen that ranked very high on our top junior plays of March 2022. So look back at that and then check out that goal. That was gorgeous. Yes, J- Jake is a very skilled player. He's He's got size to him as well. Big kid, uh, about 6'2". About He's got some size on him. He can play a physical game, but his hands are uh, silky smooth and and definitely not expected of a bigger guy. Uh, okay. But uh, when he comes in and puts a move on you, uh, you're, you're looking one way and he's already gone the other. <laughs> that goal was absolutely just that. That was dirty. That was dirty. And so I think uh, when we eventually get around to our top 25 junior plays of the year, because I have. Oh, a lot of a lot of amazing goals and a lot of amazing saves by a lot of really, really skilled junior hockey players that I watched this year. And to pick a top 25 is going to be tough, but I've been doing it slowly throughout the season. So it wasn't such a uh, uh, tough act at the end of the year. Any of these players from any of these teams get recognition by coaches or scouts or family or friends and and they can see you know kind of what i noticed this year because there's so much junior hockey to watch that i always tell um like i reach out to you and a lot of the the teams that we we communicate with and i do my best to watch every game and i will definitely watch every goal because that's pretty easy to and hockey tv to be able to find out the times of the goal and, and see what happened but sometimes i miss out on what could be some amazing saves. Um, if I'm able to watch games through, I can catch some, but uh, I always, like I said, I, I reach out to you and some of the other coaches and GMs and owners and, and anyone associated with the team that we communicate with broadcasters and be like, if there's an amazing save, make me aware of it because we definitely want to, you know, I love my goalies. I'm a goalie. You're a goalie. We like to, you know, give the goalie shout outs and really, find some amazing plays to highlight just some of the skill that the goaltenders have out there. If I have, I have over a hundred easy, a hundred top plays of the year. I just might start dropping them by goals and saves and, uh, you know, get them all highlight out there. But yeah, I think Dune's goal, this playoff run, that was easy, easy. I can land that one in the top 25 because that was incredible. Stick was on fire. Oh yeah. His, uh, the, the backhand toe dragon, so the stuff that he does in practice, it's, there's two of them on the team, him and Jaden Pru. The, the two of them are, uh, w- with a stick, they're, they're unbelievably skilled and talented players that, that can do things that I, I could only dream of, and, and they're able to pull them <laughs> off. They've, at one point, Jaden scored a goal between his legs, and, and he tried to do the Michigan twice, almost worked both times. But the, the skill that these young players have, and, and the younger kids coming up, uh, you know, sc- scouting the, the 07s, 06 groups, these kids have unbelievable skill. Um, you know, we're we're going to be very fortunate to watch some really good hockey for a long time coming up. Yeah, I mean, and you you have a lot of. I mean, we could talk about every player on the team, but I know that you know those videos that people have seen or will be seeing come out on our thing. We've had Dylan Keel, Nolan McGregor. I think Kuglietta makes another visit in our top plays of the year. Dylan Hamaj had a great play this year. I mean, just a really really skilled team. 
literally throughout the year, I've fallen in love with the jerseys more and more and more. That combination, it's been weird. We've done these jersey episodes for a bunch of times now. I would say in the couple years now we've been doing the podcast because we're approaching the couple year mark. My taste in jerseys has completely shifted, and I'm I'm loving these classic looks like like you have there in Iron Prior. Uh, CP has a gorgeous one. There's a, like the Minnesota Moose in the USPHL came out with this. I don't know what to call it, but it's it's a thing of beauty. I thought it was absolutely gorgeous, and it's kind of a take on the old school with the new school. But then you just start seeing some of these old school jerseys drop and. And even yours, it's not like this, the Arm Prior Packers jerseys recently dropped. It's what it's been. I think going back to the classics is the way some of these teams are, are going to really make some hot jerseys, like what Arm Prior has. I'm, I'm a big fan of it, and especially with the teams with history. I mean, Arm Prior is now uh, 58 years going. Uh, the, the logo has been the same logo since the team started. And, um, you know, the, there are teams that do kind of go a little out there and it's a jersey. So, I mean, yeah, why not shoot for the stars? But when you have the heritage and you have the history behind it, it's uh, it's it's easy to, to play off of the the old school and try and bring it with a little bit of a modern twist. But but stick to the roots and uh, it uh, it does go over well in the small towns. People want that because if you've been in a small town your entire life or you've come back to it. There's that familiarity with it. There's that hominess to it. It's the, oh, my grandfather, my father, my brother, you know, they, they played for this team. I can play for this team or I've played for this team. Or I remember watching, you know, them growing up. May I may not have played for them. So even pro teams have figured this out. Don't mess with a good thing. Like, I mean, I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but I'm going to take every chance I can to hate on the Kachina jersey so that Ben and Sebastian have to hear me do it and they can't defend it. Um, sorry if you like it, uh, but I can't stand the Kachina jersey. I love the howl. I love I love their their maroon jersey. I thought it was beautiful. But, but the fans spoke and the fans wanted the Kachina back for some reason. There's something about the old school days of hockey and original jerseys that just sit better with people. Yeah, there, there's something about that buffalo blue and yellow. Yeah. That uh, oh goodness, I, the, the the two together just look so good with the uh, with their their setup. I, I didn't mind the buffalo head coming out, <laughs> but uh, when when I, you think of the buffalo sabers, to me you're thinking of that blue and y- yellow. And uh, it's it. I like to see that they've got the jerseys back. Hopefully they can get the team back on track. Yeah, um, but uh, at least they're looking good. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's looking good. I mean, I think you know, I'll I'll divert a little bit of Buffalo Sabers talk here, but I think with the uh, the very you know sub, I guess what is it, addition by subtraction of Jack Eichel, the team looks better. The team is fun again. We've lost that. It's been very painful for Buffalo Sabres fans for the last decade, which this will now go down as the worst team right now in NHL history for the, you know, missing the playoffs for 11 straight years. It's never happened before. That sucks as as a Sabres fan. And I think this is the first, I think the Sabres fans spoke this year by just not showing up, which has never happened in our history. We've had some losing awful years, like brutal, brutal years, and they could still pack the arena. I mean, it was unbelievable this year 
I mean, you, you connect COVID with people struggling with a team that's been basically the laughing stock in the NHL for a little bit too long and the drama surrounding a team like that. And it's been painful to be a Sabres fan. And I think they're playing with a little bit more fun right now. I like Alex Tuck. I think he should be our new captain. Owen Powers made his debut. I just think that uh, the team's on the up and up. And I'm hoping I'm not holding my breath. But I'm hoping that, you know, we don't hit 12 seasons in a row and that we can actually make a playoff push next year. We're not Stanley Cup contenders yet, but it'd just be nice to get back into the show. I I think they are. Uh, and looking at what they, they've done, I, I do like the removal of Jack Eichel. Um, the, the more years I do this GM thing, I, you, you learn about the personalities <laughs> of players being so crucial to the, the core of the team. Um, but I, I, I like Owen Power. He's a great defenseman. Um, I think they, they've got Dil- Dylan Cousins there, too. They, they've got some players, and hopefully one of the goalies can pan out, but yep. they've got some players, they've got some defense, and, and hopefully they can turn it around and, and have the the culture reinstated back into Buffalo because it, it was it was great, the, the series of, of, uh, of the Senators and the Sabres going to the conference oh, yeah. finals. They were great days, and, and hopefully we can get back to that soon. Yeah, because if we can get back to the days when the Senators and Sabres are dominant teams again, and you have the Emory-Byron brawls, which that's not much of a brawl. It's more of a beatdown. Uh, it was one-sided <laughs> affair. But the, the back in the days when you had the you know Danny Heatley and Dal, you know uh, Alfredson on one side, and you had Chris Drury and Danny Barrera on the other side. Man, a lot of Dannys in that group. But Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just – those were the days. Those were the heydays. That's those are the days I lived in Ottawa too. Those were just wild days to be a Sabres fan because there was zero love lost between the fan bases, and I think both fan bases have struggled for so long now that we're just going to be happy to see each other. Again. <laughs> oh, I, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be Kachuk and Cousins now. I mean, that's that's what we're looking at, and so um, you know, you as the GM and you look at the way that the the Senators have rebuilt. And, and the moves they make, I mean, what's really stood out to you with, with their changes? I, I've been very happy with the young young core, disappointed with some of the signings that they've made of the, the veterans that they tried to bring in. Yeah. Um, but the young core, I think, is 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 something that to get excited about. Um, you know, you, you got the Kachuk, Stutzla, Batherson, Norris. So you, you've got skill up front with Sanderson and Shabbat on the back end. Uh, Lassie Thompson, uh, Jacob Bernard Docker. There, there's there's something there. Um, if they can get one of these goalies to pan out, uh, either Sogard, Gustafson. Uh, I think I think Forsberg's done a great job, uh, okay. but I don't think he's the answer long term. Uh, he may may surprise us all and, and have uh, a, a number of great years in a row. But um, I'm hoping one of the young kids can take the reins, can take over. And if it's Forsberg, it's Forsberg. You know, at this point, anyone yeah. take it. And uh, and if they can get some goaltending, this this group can do some damage in a couple of years from now. If if you can get the goaltending panned out, because both you and I know that's the most important position in hockey. I don't care what anybody says and or in all sports, forget just hockey. And, you know, if if, if a guy like Soberg can and pan out uh, down the road and he can grow into his role and in Buffalo, you got guys like Uko Pekalukin and uh, Devin Levi. I mean, that's going to be a battle for the net, I think, because we've been developing Lukanen now for a while. And I think that's why we went after Craig Anderson um, 
and uh, I don't know. We we dumped. Uh, I mean, we had Takarski for a while, but I think we put him on waivers and he got picked up. I'm not 100 sure, but it's really just been Anderson that's been. And I love it because I love Craig Anderson. I loved him when he was with Florida. I loved him in Colorado. I had his Colorado Avalanche jersey. I loved him in Ottawa. Who didn't? And oh, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a fantastic goalie. And I was thrilled to have him as a Washington Capital, though I don't think he saw the net but maybe once in Washington. And, you know, goalies want to play. And Buffalo is a perfect spot for a guy who needed a season or two. I'm not sure he'll be back next year, but we needed transitional goalies because we have goalies ready to step up. And I think it's going to be Lukanen's net next year. But man, what Devin Levi has been doing at Northeastern, we're going to have a battle for the net. And that's exciting. That's what we need because uh, we have not had that since Ryan Miller. <laughs> well, and Ryan Miller was a great goalie. Yeah. My goodness. He was uh, he was phenomenal. I think I think these two guys let. I've I've been a big fan of Devin Levi. Uh, obviously, watching him over at Carlton Place, it was uh, it was neat to see him night in night out uh, put up a brick wall, uh, and then proceed to do the exact same thing with Team Canada at the World Juniors. Yeah. That then at, at Northeastern, I believe he just won the the Richter Award. Yeah, um, he's a tremendous talent. Uh, a great pickup from uh, from Buffalo. I think that kind of insulating the uh, now you got Ukapeka Lukanen and and, uh, and Devin Levi. You're hoping one of them is going to pan out, uh, if not both of them, uh, and uh, you know give you stable goaltending for the next uh, decade or so. Yeah, and that's what we need because if you have a goalie you trust in net, uh, the guys can they can do a little bit more uh, in front and they can take bigger risks because they know if they slip up. You know, you got a goalie net that can still hold the game down, and so you can take those bigger risks and make those big plays, and that's how you end up with a, that's how you end up with a Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, yeah. <laughs> what a dynasty they're building! I mean, whew, they are all like I think I may have took a shot at the. I take a lot of shots, but I think I took a shot at the Tampa Bay Lightning after their first cup. Um, not so much the Lightning, but Steve Eiserman. Uh, and I looked at it, the way he built that team. I'm like, yeah, well, you basically just picked up all the best pieces you could, signed them to contracts that are just going to, you know, they built a Stanley Cup team, but good luck holding on to it. But now I look at the, you really look at the nitty gritty details of what he did and what the Lightning organization did and, and, and uh, amateur scouts like Brian Putnam. And you see what they identify and, and who they're selecting and the decisions that they've made to build that dynasty, because I think they're going to try to run for it again, which in today's modern NHL environment, to build a team that's capable of winning in and out like this team has and win multiple Stanley Cups and making a run for another one, the moves are incredible. Like the way they develop specific players, the type of players they go after, uh, it's really 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 intelligent building and uh i'm imagining you as a gm you're watching a, a build like what tampa bay's done and it, it's really the whole gm world at every sport i mean not even hockey juniors down to the end or juniors up to the nhl and, and you're looking at over in the nfl and places like that and you just watch what a player or not a player a gm uh, like Eiserman did, and you're like, I mean, oh, it's incredible. Little, I, yeah. He he's he's a very brilliant mind, and I think it's uh, going to be happening in Detroit in the yep. uh, the coming years as well. Um, yeah. But you, you well, yeah, to Tampa Bay, you you look at the the talent they've got, giving up like a, a Matthew Joseph for a Nick Paul to get grittier, and Joseph comes over and is over a point a game, and uh, 
uh, with the Senators is now playing on their top line. Mm-hmm. And he was a fourth line player on Tampa Bay. Yeah, uh, they're they're so deep. They were so skilled. And uh, I, I think the Senators are kind of seeing that. And what uh, they've they've talked about uh, openly is that they they see the work ethic and the, the difference in the mentality of a guy like a Matthew Joseph coming from yeah. an organization where you are here to win games uh, and bringing that to Ottawa. That's going to benefit benefit them in the long run. Uh, the uh, the other other players now kind of see what uh, what it takes to win with a guy now with with multiple Stanley Cup rings on their team. But it's all 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 built from uh, the the entire organization of Tampa Bay. His uh, top to bottom, they they did a heck of a job, and and you're seeing that they're they're going to compete this year. And from looking at it, they're probably going to compete next year as well. Yeah, uh, I don't see it going away anytime soon. No, what they've done there is incredible. And like you said, guys with like Matthew, Matthew Joseph and the pieces they're able to put, because, yeah, being a fourth line guy in Tampa Bay and now what he's able to do in Ottawa. And I still remember in the bubble when they still had the bubble. I don't think he played a single game. Uh, he was one of the I think the only two players. I think it was him and McElhaney, maybe. I believe that, you're correct. Yeah, they didn't get any ice time in the bubble to have a guy of that skill set not get any ice team because your team's so deep. I mean, wow. Uh, oh, and, it's incredible. And, yeah, I'm terrified that he's doing that in Detroit right now because you know he is. <laughs> oh, uh, absolutely there. <laughs> and you With see the, the moves he's already got more cider. They're, yeah. they're building something. Yep. He's making the same moves. And you saw what he did in Tampa, and you're seeing the same things happening in Detroit. And as a, as a hockey fan and a, a Sabres fan, um, and just seeing the pure dominance of Detroit for decades – I'm terrified that he's rebuilding the Red Wings dynasty because his heart was always in Detroit. Yes. And it's it's great for the Detroit Red Wings fans out there, but uh, really, really bad news for the rest of us, especially those of us in the uh, Atlantic Division, because it's yeah. it's going to be rough. Uh, it's going to be real rough with teams. that team. <laughs> yeah, you know. Boy, I have any final thoughts on uh, kind of late? Maybe what? Anybody looking to become an umpire packer next year should be doing or looking into the program. Well, I think one one thing, big thing this year that we kind of learned and, and a bunch of our players learned is that the little things matter. Um, we had a lot of conversations with a, a number of players about uh, their attitudes in practice and, and what they're doing when when they're not participating in a drill. And if they're paying attention to to the power play, even if they're not on it at a time. Uh, to what they're doing outside the ice. Um, we, we know when when players were going to work out and um, the the ability to, to, to see what your players are doing is so easy now with social media that we do notice. Um, the, the small little details of someone that, that works really hard is, is easy to pick up. And being the hardest worker out there will get you noticed. Um, it's not necessarily you, you want to build a team that has four first lines. You, you want to build a team that has, has two scoring lines, a checking line, uh, an energy line. And so you're looking for players with different roles. And if, if you go out there and, and you're a young player that maybe you're not a goal scorer, but you're, you, you understand the game really well, you're, you, you've got a great engine, you keep going, you keep working hard and you block shots – there'll be a role for you on a team there. There yeah. will be a place for you. And then 
come playoff time, well, the, the, the perfect example is a player like a Dylan Tamage on our team this year who came in as a fourth-line player, was going to be an energy guy, ended up killing penalties, uh, scoring some big goals, uh, scored a goal to, to move us on to the second round this year even. Um, when, when you get your chance, take it, and, and yeah. just make sure that you're the hardest worker out there. No, that's really good advice. And I think, uh, you know, young players coming up in the junior hockey world or whatever level they're playing, that's it's a really good advice that the coaching staff uh, notices. Fans, we notice. We don't get to see the stuff you, the, the, the team gets to see in practice and, and those little details, but fans will notice what's happening on the ice and who's hardest worker, who just doesn't make the proper hockey IQ play when maybe the puck's in the zone and they're just thinking about their shift change instead of the actual situational awareness of what could be happening with them turning their back for the change. You change when it's time for you to change as quickly as you can, but you got to be aware of the play happening because the amount of goals I saw this year on just bad changes Hockey fans sitting there in the arena, watching on hockey TV, watching on, you know, ESPN. You notice those bad changes because it happens at the pro level, too. Just something wasn't right there. And a lot of that stuff starts right there in practice, listening to the coaches. All those drills, all those things are there for a reason. One slip up could cost your team not only a game, but it could cost your team the season. It might be the reason you don't make the playoffs or... Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of factors, so you can't put it all on one person, one bad play shoulder. But in, in the critical moments as the end of the season or you're in the playoffs, that one mistake could just be the the costly one. And working oh, hard. I, absolutely. That, that, you know, you, you get a point in the in, in game three that, that you shouldn't have had and you, you end up making the playoffs by one point. Well, because you chipped the puck out and you made the smart play, blocked that extra shot. It, it all matters. It, yep. it, it all is, is big. I mean, you, you, say, you, you notice the changes. You notice when you don't get to the red line to, to dump it in and you end up costing your team with an icing and you're all tired and you have to stay out there and they score. Yep. Ultimately, there was other things that broke down, but, but that not putting in that, that extra effort to, to skate the extra foot and a half to the red line, it, it goes a big way. Doing things like that, it, it takes nothing but a little extra effort and a little extra heart, and th- those are the signs that uh, that t- people that end up making the decisions are looking for uh, in hockey players, the ones that will take that extra step to to make it out there, to make it to the red line, to, to chip a puck out at the blue line, to block a shot in a penalty kill. The, the little things end up being big things, and uh, they're, they're nothing more than just the extra effort, and, and it's all controllable by yourself. Yeah, 100%. That's perfect, perfect way to say that and a perfect way to kind of wrap this up uh, for all you listeners and uh, hockey players out there looking to get onto a team. Pay attention to practice. Make those little changes and, and take those drills seriously and be the hardest worker. Be the guy that everyone notices because I'm sure you as a GM, you'll get calls from other teams, maybe college prospects and such, maybe higher levels, and they're going to ask you, you know, what is this What is this player's work ethic and stuff? And you build that reputation with those coaching staffs and those other levels with the information you provide on a player. Because if you have a player that's maybe not taking it so hard in practice, you're like, yeah, he's a, he's a talented kid. He just needs to 
when it comes to practices, he needs to work harder. You know, there's are things that other levels are going to ask coaching staffs and owners when they're scouting players that are going to be right fits for their team. They, they absolutely do. It's I got a call earlier this year on, on Jet Miller. And they uh, they asked what he was like, and and fortunately with a player like him, you're you're able to say he's the first one on the ice of practice, he's the last one off every optional practice he is at, um, he, he's focused on game days, he's he's ready to go, and and they love to hear all of that. Th- those are are they want to check check those boxes off and make sure that the, each player that they're going to be taking at that next level is that hardest worker on their team from their junior teams. When you're building a team, you're looking for a lot of different aspects. You can be the guy who dangles the pucks, but you're not the hardest worker and you're going to be, you know, maybe locker room cancer. That's going to be noticeable. And I'd rather pass on the, the, the super skilled player that's going to be nothing but drama and thinks the game's about them. And I'd rather be going for the hardest worker that's like, how can I make the team better? What do I need to do, coach? You know, that that's the player you're looking for. Absolutely. And we have made those calls before where we've let guys go that that are more skilled, that may go out and put up numbers in another team in the, in the same league, but yeah. they weren't the right fit for us. It is what it is. But again, it was a great season with the Packers. It was super fun to watch, super excited to see. And uh, for you listeners out there, again, check out the Pigeon Hockey Twitter. You'll be seeing some of the best plays out of the Empire Packers this year as biasly selected by myself because I'm the guy who runs the podcast, so I get to make the best choices. (laughs) But uh, we do want to thank you, Matt Kuvret, the owner and GM of the Empire Packers, for jumping back on with us today. I, I appreciate the support all year long. It's it's a, been a pleasure. It's unfortunate the way it ended, but you know yeah. the the support and the coverage you guys give to to us and, and to the league, and and all all junior hockey. You know it it really means a lot, and it's uh, it's a joy to uh, to scroll through the timeline and see some uh, some of our guys out there being highlighted. <laughs> no, it's, it's a joy to watch, and honestly, this is what I'm passionate about. And uh, you know the listeners of the podcast love hearing it, and. Uh, all of you listening out there, we also want to thank you for tuning in and listening to these podcasts and and having the same passion we do for junior hockey. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at PHHOfficial to let us know what you think. And also be sure to comment and share any upcoming games or hockey news we should cover in a future podcast. This was Pigeon Hockey Podcast with Chris and our special guest today, Matt Kruvret. And remember, fans, always clear your crease.